15, way to go. Well, I thought it'd be appropriate if I shared with you some of the wisdom I have gathered from 18-year-old speeches at these graduations. Because if you've ever been to a graduation, you know that you're going to gain some wisdom from their 18 years of of life that they're going to share with their fellow graduates and with we parents and friends. Well, here's something, some wisdom that I heard over and over again, uh, and I I think it's pretty, pretty wise. Believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. Believe in yourself and follow your dreams. Now, about the third graduation, somewhere between believing in myself and following my dreams, my only thought was, I really just need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) In that third graduation, there were 430 graduates, and they were about to name all of their names. And yes, I wanted to believe in myself, and I wanted to follow my dreams, but what I really needed was to go to the bathroom. Let's close in prayer. (laughs) I believe those are two excellent things. But where I'm living right now is somewhere in between. And it's the in-between that I want to talk about this morning. The in-between, the place that we are, the life that we're living, uh, what we want to believe to be true about ourselves and our life, and our hopes, and what we're desiring, and what we're thinking about. This place in between, the place where we have to go to the bathroom, is life. It's the real stuff of life. It's reality. It's your reality and it's my reality. It's today. It's uh, filled with a variety of things. It's certainly filled with joy and hopes and aspirations and meaning and purpose and good times. But today, this place in between is also filled with pain, it's filled with suffering. It's filled with experiences uh, related to the world and evil. It's filled with brokenness. It's filled with the mundane. It's filled with daily life. Getting up, going to work, going to school, doing what I need to do today. This is where we live. Here in between. Who we are and who we want to be. Yesterday I was in Portland and I was studying at a coffee shop and a family came in and they had a little guy. He was around 10 months old. He wasn't walking yet, but he was cruising, which meant he was just going around on the tables and everything with his hands like this. And it looked like he was also teething. And cruising and teething is a bad combination because he's making the floor slippery and he's moving around and he's, he's chewing on everything. Everything is just like the corner of the coffee table. He was just gnawing away on and and that, but he was having so much fun because everything was brand new. He had probably just learned to cruise and he was just moving around. And for him, everything is new and filled with excitement and tasty things that he can experience. But from there, all the way toward the end of life, we're, we're going to look a little similar. We're, we're going to be a little toothless and a little drool and we're going to be ready for heaven. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about you specifically, anyone. 
I happened to look at my brother right here in the second row. And it was totally an accident that I looked at you when I said that, brother. <laughs> hey, but we're all headed there. This thing is called life. It's, it's the journey from Eden to heaven. And there's a little passage of scripture I'd like to look at in 2 Corinthians that talks about this place. So if you have your Bibles, turn there or turn them on, whatever you do, and get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I just want to drop in on a few verses at the end of chapter 4. In verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These verses have been a great encouragement to me in my life. Because I resonate with them. Uh, The land in between that I live day in and day out a lot of it drops right here into these ideas, these truths. And he says, therefore, because he's referring to what he's been talking about in this chapter, a great chapter, a great section of Scripture, where he's reminding us that we're clay pots, that we're the stuff of humanity, but that we have the light of the glory of Christ inside of us. And that we're going to be persecuted and perplexed, and we're going to go through hard times. But somehow the grace of God is going to shine in us and through us. And because of that hope and because of that truth, he says, therefore, because you're in between in this land, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, I I need that reminder almost every week. I'm kind of prone to lose heart. I'm kind of prone to discouragement. And the implication of this command, which he repeats, Paul does a number of times in the New Testament, is that we need to be reminded not to lose heart. Do not lose heart. Because when you get discouraged or depressed or you just run out of steam for this in-between life, it makes it all that much more difficult. But life is going to get us to a place of discouragement and challenge. And yes... When we're younger, we have more idealistic ideas about life, and we should. We need the younger generation to remind us of all the things that can be and should be and will be. But as you go through life, you know that many of those dreams aren't going to be realized, or they're going to be different than you ever imagined, or the road to them is going to be filled with hardship and suffering and difficulty. And it can kind of beat the energy and excitement out of you. So Paul says, don't lose heart. Though, and I love this next phrase, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Outwardly, Brushbury, you are wasting away. I mean, look around you. (laughs) Just since last week. 
Some of you have deteriorated. We are wasting away. Now, I know it doesn't feel like it when you're young. Our son has grown, I don't know, four or five inches in the last couple of years. He doesn't look like he's wasting away. And when we wrestle, he doesn't feel like he's wasting away. I feel like I'm wasting away. But our bodies are dying. Literally, that's what it means. We're deteriorating. It's the truth. And I turned 50 a year and a half ago. And better? My wife's giving me a, a, a clue about something on my apparel. <laughs> I misread the clue. It, it was some, she was saying, you're doing an awesome job. I think that's what that meant. <laughs> or it meant, speed up. You're going to run out of time. You know... I had shoulder surgery, I have back problems, I still play basketball a couple times a week, John Palm, wherever you are. John and I used to play on the Brush Prairie basketball team back in the 80s together, and we were bad. (laughs) Um, My memory. I'm starting to, to walk around the house looking for my reading glasses like this. I'm doing what my dad used to do, walking into a room and looking perplexed, wondering why I'm there, what I should do once I'm there. I'm I'm forgetting people's names, people I've worked with. They're across the hall for many years. I'm looking at them going, I have no idea who you are. (laughs) I think this is just wasting away. I'm hoping it's nothing more serious, but we we are definitely on that journey, and... and, uh, You know, if you want a small group question that would be very interesting, just share your current prescriptions with with your small group and and, and the potential side effects that you're experiencing from those. I think that would be a great icebreaker. Yeah, I got got that blood pressure under control, but that there diarrhea is going to kill me, I think. Hey, I'm here to encourage you. You're wasting away. (laughs) But the the good news is the second part of that phrase, right? Look at what he says. But uh, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And God designed it so that as our bodies get older and we start to fail, our spirits, as he transforms us into our image, become more and more renewed And I used to think, you know, day by day, that's like at the end of the day, I should be more renewed. But really what it's describing is that it takes day by day by day of mundane, regular faithfulness for this transformation process to take place. And then he describes it well. If you turn back a page at the end of chapter 3 in 18, he says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, as we are led by the Spirit, as we bear the fruit of the Spirit, as we walk with Him day by day, even though this clay pot is deteriorating, God is doing a work inside of us. And we don't always see that. You don't get to the end of the day and go, I feel more renewed inside. But when you look back over a period of time, you can see that God has been working in you 
through your faithfulness, through the difficulties that you're going through. And that's why when we have golden heirs who have a spirit of thankfulness and joy and contentment, in some ways it's a profound miracle that someone who has all the physical and difficulties they may be going through, if their spirit has been renewed by Christ, the contrast is even greater and more beautiful and powerful. Renewed day by day. And then he says, for our light and momentary uh, troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Don't you love the fact that Paul referred to his troubles as light and momentary. Shipwrecked, beat, imprisoned, run out of town, starving, left for dead. Light and momentary afflictions. Earlier in the chapter, all the things he mentions. But what is encouraging to me about that, that little phrase, it says these light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory. Temporary, eternal Temporary difficulty in this in-between life, but eternal glory. And, it's, and, and I'm not achieving it. I'm walking with God. I'm being faithful. I'm trusting him. But the afflictions themselves are achieving this for me. And that really is the land in between. And that gives me great encouragement. And it's supposed to. That God is going to use everything you're going through right now. And some of you may just be going through horrendously difficult challenges and suffering that don't feel light and momentary. But whatever they are, God's promising us that he's at work beneath them, producing this eternal weight of glory. I think of a sailor I met in one of our ministries in Cadence. Uh, We're ministry of the military around the world and we were in Yokosuka, Japan recently where we have a ministry. They're getting about 100 sailors and their families out on a Friday night. People are coming to Christ and being baptized and growing. And I was sitting down dinner with the one sailor and I just, I like to say, tell me your story. You know, tell me how God got you to this place in your life. And here's a guy who grew up in a horrible family. I think when he was about five, his, his father beat him so bad he was in a coma for two years. He had to be rescued out of that family. Another family took him in. He joined the Navy at a young age. He, he, uh, he's married with kids, but he'd been away from his family 10 out of the 13 years on deployments. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, we came here to Yokosuka a year ago, and God got a hold of my life, and he got a hold of my family. And now I am just a grateful son of the king. And, and, and he's one of the leaders in that ministry that God has taken his light and momentary afflictions and he has achieved an eternal glory to God through his testimony. And so sometimes those light and momentary things feel tremendously heavy. Uh, other times they intrude in our life unexpectedly. We have two dogs, Sadie and Addie. Sadie's our half blue healer, half lab. She's about 12 years old. Any of you have dogs, cats, pets? Okay. This story's going to hurt you guys. The rest of you are going to like, what's the big deal? It's just a dog. So it got run over. What's the big deal? You know, 
So yeah, that's a punchline. <laughs> Addie is little half dachshund, half poodle. So she's like a poodle, only extremely long and fat. She's adorable. She's about 13, something like that. And I used to be jealous of Addie because I would hear her name being called and come running to play with the kids because it sounded so much like daddy. So I was like, let's play. Yeah, you know, all right, I'm here. Throw me a ball, all right? And they would be like, no, you know, we called Addie. We want to play with Addie. But I got over that. Uh, About three weeks ago, uh, we have a detached... No, I got over it a long time ago. (laughs) Bob, I feel for you, brother. This crowd, they're rough. Pause. About three weeks ago, uh, we have a detached garage in the back, so our dogs share a driveway with our cars, and... Uh, kids, unfortunately, their grandpa was backing up, and Addie uh, got underneath the tire, and Kyra was the only one home. She heard the squeal of pain, and the, the truck backed over the bottom half of her body, which saved her life, but uh, broke her pelvis, broke her hip, broke her bone, you know, her, one of her legs, and poor Kyrie, our most sensitive one, she had to go and pull him out from under the, her out from under the truck and hold her, and I happened to drive up just then, and so that started a light and momentary affliction for us as we went to the emergency vet and you know they wanted three grand to fix her which I tried to warn the kids on the way there that I loved Addie but I had a price tag about how much I loved her (laughs) and that was way over that price tag but amazingly the vet said you know if you're willing to care for her 24-7 for at least a few weeks she has a chance of surviving and walking again and so we brought her home. And we've been caring for her basically 24-7. She can't obviously walk. She's at the point now where she can pull herself across our wood floor like a seal, just dragging, you know, dragging her. It's really sad and cute. Uh, and it's been messy and just, you know, but we think she's going to live. Our, our older daughter's taking care of her now. And she, she's probably going to walk again. She's just going to... It's going to look really funny. I'm going to laugh at her because she's going to look like a, a duck seal kind of a walk when, when it happens. But you know what? <laughs> Even just caring for Addie in these weeks and wrestling with the decision together, and, you know, she's become a part of our family. And we know that something like that, many, many uh, folks would just put, put the dog down and put it out of its misery, which may have been a good decision. You know, we just made the one that was best for us, and we're happy with it. But it's produced... Good things in us. Good things in us as a family. Um, you know, if, if Addie were a person, I would say this was going to produce, you know, something good in her. But right now, she's just getting lots of love and being spoiled tremendously. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them out. All. So don't be discouraged. This is, this is the in-between life. This is how it really is. And, and some of you have just been through some things that are just so, so much worse than that. And you may be in the middle of it. And you can't see the eternal glory. You can't see the outcome that God is going to produce. you just got to be faithful to him in the moment. And then verse 18, he says, So, because that's true, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. For what is, un- for what is seen is temporary, for what is unseen is eternal. So we fix, because all those things are true, we're in this journey in the in-between land of suffering and affliction and wasting away and God renewing us. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. It's kind of a strange statement because it's hard to fix your eyes on something you don't see. But that's the call to focus on the eternal, focus on the things going on in your life and other people's lives that you can't see that are spiritual. That God is at work behind the scenes in the spiritual realm and in the spiritual battle. We're to focus on those things because if we just look at the things we can see, we're going to be prone to discouragement or distraction. Uh, I coach, coach basketball the last two years, and uh, I wanted to illustrate uh, this, this, this focus by uh, having Jonathan. I think I'm going to have Kyrie come up too. Yeah. It's part of being a missionary kid, okay? I bought you a Starbucks yesterday, so now you've got to come up here. Now, bring the basketball. Hey, let's give him a hand in all missionary kid life. Okay, Jonathan, I'm going to have you over here. I coached Jonathan's 8th grade team last year at the middle school and then 9th, 9th, 10th C team this last year. So he's a basketball player. Kyrie's like, why am I up here? I don't play basketball. They're both in marching band, musical. And uh, Kyrie, if, if I was illustrating how to color coordinate my closet in the most organized fashion ever, then I would have just had you come up here because Jonathan, whew. <laughs> but I needed, I needed you just to throw me the ball because I'm going to do an illustration here, and it was you or your mom. And I thought maybe you were a better pick. Okay. <laughs> so that's all you're going to have to do is throw me the ball in just a moment. Now, one of the things, we, you're going to be on defense. It used to be when he was this tall, I would have to spot him points. We'd play one-on-one a lot in the back, but n- no longer. Now you're going to be spotting me points. And, okay, but I still think I could take him on a good day when my back doesn't hurt and my shoulders are okay and I'm not wasted away too bad. So about once a year. One of the things we teach our guys on the team, the bigger men, is uh, low post maneuvering. And so you guys that know basketball know that, or you watch basketball, guys in the low post, they're going to get the ball, and this is where you come in, Kyrie. You're, gonna, you're the guard, okay? And you're going to, I'm in the low post. Jonathan's on D. Let me see a good defensive stance there, buddy. Okay. Kyrie, you pass the ball like you know basketball, and, and you're really awesome at it, Okay. Is that good or what? Okay. Now, when I'm in the low post position, I got, I got a couple of options. We teach our men it's a lot about footwork. Now, for one, if they're in a zone, that guard who was on Kyrie may come back, and I can throw it back out to her. Ready? Had a girl. For a three-point shot, which Kyrie would never shoot, and that just sounds horrifying to her. But. Or I can come back in. And then when I'm in the post, you guys remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some of you are older. John Barker. I just had to sneak that in somewhere because I love you. Hook shot, no matter how big it is, that's a hard shot. Turn, create some space with the shoulder. I love that move because I'm a lot heavier than him. (laughs) Shoot over him. Uh, Or fake that maneuver and turn this way. There's a lot of things you can do with your back to the problem. But one of the things we teach them is when you get the ball, and this is the hardest thing for young 
big men to do is to turn and face. Because all of a sudden, your problem's right in front of you, and big men tend to have big men on them. So get the ball, turn, and face. You want the, the ball, you know, in the, what's that called? The try thingy bobber? Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a name for it, but uh, I don't know why I'm here right now or what's going on. <laughs> Except that I need to move through this illustration faster. It's a try stance, so you're ready to pass, shoot, uh, or, or dribble. So, turn and face. So now I got options to me. Number one, if I do it quickly, I can shoot right away. If I've already done that and shot once, good chance he's going to try to block it because big men like to block shots. So I can fake and go underneath him. Or uh, I can fake to the side and go around him. It all depends on your opponent, how quick he is, and you get to know him as the game goes on. But turning and facing opens up a whole realm of possibilities that are not there if you keep your back to the problem. Thank you, you two, for being such good sports. <laughs> for me, as a sport guy, the idea of fixing my eyes on the unseen, I think about a moment where I have problems, suffering things. I want to go the other direction, but I'm not going to score going that way unless I score for the other team, which some of our middle schoolers did, which hilarious. <laughs> but I turn and I face it. Now what I'm going to see is the problem. It's going to be right there, whatever it is for you. Whatever it is you want to ignore, whatever it is you want to deny, whatever it is you want to run from, it's right there. But God is saying, face it and look beyond it to what I'm going to do in you when you go through it, around it, over it, in my strength, over time. There is something for you a renewal that can only come when I face it and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this thing. If that means I need to go get counseling, if that means I need to get marriage counseling, if that means I need to go to a person I've been avoiding for a long time and say, hey, can we talk this out? Whatever that affliction or problem is, I'm going to face it. And I'm going to trust God for his unseen work. That's what I focus on is that he is big enough, he's powerful enough, he's loving enough to deal with it in my life. For what is seen is temporary, for what is unseen is eternal. If you just turn to Galatians, it should open quickly for you because you've been there for a little while. A verse that will be in Pastor Bob's message next week. I know Galatians, it's in here somewhere. Uh, in chapter 6, I think it summarizes it really well. In verse 9 of chapter 6, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, or in due time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So we walk in the Spirit as we're led by the Spirit as we trust God with the afflictions in our life and our wasting away bodies as we live in this in-between land. He says, don't give up. Don't give up in doing it. There is a harvest of righteousness. Maybe here on this earth, maybe in the promised land. And that is the great hope we have. That one day God is going to take care of all this stuff. He's going to take care of all the stuff inside of us. He's going to take care of the stuff in this world. And he's going to make it right. 
It's going to produce a harvest of righteousness. Let me just close by uh, telling you uh, another light and momentary struggle that we've had as a family. Some of you know that our oldest daughter came to us the end of January uh, with the news that she was pregnant out of wedlock, 23 years old. And her boyfriend, Jake, is not a believer. Now, this verse would say, that's a light and momentary affliction. But in the moment, it just, it felt crushing. It, I, I felt such grief and, and disappointment and shock. And you, you know what it's like as you're going through life and all of a sudden, news lands. Like it's landed for a couple of our cadence missionaries who have terminal cancer, one brain cancer, one ovarian cancer. They've done everything they can. In the next three to 12 months, they're going to heaven. And the moment they heard that word, some of you have heard that. The moment you get the news where your routine just falls apart and everything focuses in on something challenging. And, and those first few weeks, the, the, as the shock wears off and you be, begin to process uh, and think about hopes and dreams for a daughter and prayers since conception, or I guess I shouldn't have said that word in church, but, you know, s- s- since we found out we were having a baby, uh, praying for this girl and for the man that she would marry that would know and love the Lord and, and all those dreams of, for a parent. And parents know that kids make their own choices. And Kara talked about how she got off the path for some months and it all appearances, she's back on the path, and she's back walking with God. And uh, she, she and Jake are not getting married. They're, they're not going to be living together, but we're going to all raise this baby. And now I get to be called Grandpa Schroeder. And, of course, the guys at work are calling me Gramps and Grandpa. And, you know, and I actually, that's okay. My heart is filled with joy now. Just before we left, I felt the baby move. And I, and whoo. All right. But it took us a little bit to transist to a place of joy and excitement. And now we're beginning to see the eternal weight of glory that God is going to unveil through her life and through this baby's life and through our lives as we live publicly uh, our life of humanity and brokenness uh, because that's where we live too. And yet we're trusting God. Kareth trusting God. Sometimes it's really hard, right? Do not lose heart. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help in not losing heart with these light and momentary afflictions. Help us to turn and face them and see beyond them. And God, this is possible because of what your son did on the cross for us. He faced light and momentary afflictions beyond what we could ever imagine so that we could have this hope, so that you could renew us day by day and so that one day you will come back and make it all right. So we live for that day and we refuse to give up in our journey with you because it is the way to life. 
I pray this for my Brush Prairie friends today. However, your spirit is speaking to them about their journey of the land in between. And I pray this in Jesus' name.